now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union label. That's to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome to the Alan Nathan Show, everybody. Silker Joe Show co-host Joe filling in for Alan today, who is working on his book, While His House Fills with Paint Fumes. Someone had to be there while his house got painted. He was elected to be the one. So he will be back Monday. He didn't expect it to go this long. I kind of did, so I was ready, and I have my pre-written topics ready to go that I'll get to in a moment. But poor Alan caught flat-footed when they said, Oh, guess what? We're not going to be done on time. Oh, boy. Isn't that nice? Contractor says that they're going to have to have extra time to do what they promised to do. Yeah, I'm sure every one of you have experienced that at some point, but... uh, Alan has thought he is just such a trusting man that he thought they would be done when they said they would be done. Anyway, if he were here with us today, he would give to you his mantra, folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedrooms, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. The Alan Nathan Show is a Main Street Radio Network production, so we want to thank the Main Street Radio Network for allowing this program to exist. We also want to thank the Salem Radio Network for distributing the show. Main Street Radio Network can be found at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Show them some love there. They show us plenty of love. Even though management and even their clients disagree over content on this program, they allow it to continue, and we appreciate that. Also, they can be found on Facebook at Main Street Radio Network, on Twitter at Main Street Radio. And as for the Alan Nathan Show, it has its own website, AlanNathan.com. This show actually predates any affiliation with the Main Street Radio Network by... Ooh, like 12, 13 years, something to that effect, because the Alan Nathan Show has been around for 25 years. And you can find them on Twitter, at Alan Nathan. And as for the Silker Joe Show, if you're curious about that, that's on Getter, G-E-T-T-R dot com, at Silker Joe Show. Now, as for the pre-written topics I alluded to, I have them right here. Why do Democrat voters support political prosecutions and show trials? Also, while we are distracted by the Trump indictment, the world moves away from the dollar as our financial system weakens. What next? Well, I'm going to start with the Trump indictment one, because this segment I'm actually going to, or this segment, this hour, I have someone at the tail end who we can sort of get away from this with, but uh, it's very important in the short term because of what it means for you, the listener. It means several things. Uh, Number one, they can do all this to Trump. They can have endless investigations of him, devote millions of taxpayer dollars to prosecuting him, failing to prosecute him, mind you, tens and tens of millions of dollars failing to prosecute Trump over seven years now. Media outlets galore trying to surround him and uh, figure out some scheme or crime that he did and report it to the authorities. They've all failed. The best they can do is this bogus indictment where you have 34 charges based on him committing some unnamed crime, which is probably the Stormy Daniels thing, which the FEC says isn't even a crime. So, But we don't know because they haven't released that yet. So based on this unknown crime, they came up with 34 felonies. 23 of them were just copy and paste, and the other 11 have nothing to do with Trump or his organization. The other 11 are because he received invoices from some outside source. That's what the other 11s are. Receiving an email it got him 11 felony charges. So let's see how this plays out now. Of course, this is New York City. You can't expect justice in New York City. This He's going to get convicted. It's going to ha- The only way you're going to see justice is when you get to a higher court, which is farther away from the severe left-wing bias of New York City, because the left doesn't want no justice if it whacked him in the face. Or, in this case, pointed a gun in their face more is a more appropriate term, because the same district attorney who is trying to get 34 felonies against Trump is the same one who says that putting a gun in your face and demanding all your money isn't a felony. It's a misdemeanor. The guy who does it should actually be allowed to keep their gun. This from the anti-gun left. They voted for this man. This is the man they wanted. Because he promised that pointing guns in people's faces would not be a crime, but being Trump would be a crime. So, that I guess they got what they voted for with this man, and they seem to be happy with it. And polls show that Democrats nationwide tend in this direction. 
Three quarters of Americans realize this is a political indictment, according to the polls. But still, a majority of Democrats think Trump should be behind bars, shouldn't be allowed to run again, etc., etc. So they know that it's a political indictment. They don't care. They think it should stop him from running for re-election. That's how crazy the Democratic Party at large is. Now, there are some sane ones. 17%, for example, say, no, I actually am going to support Trump after all this garbage. So kudos to them. But that is such a small number compared to the majority who know it's political, but don't care. They're just going to hope that Trump gets uh, thrown away anyway, because Democrats should win by hook or by crook. It's no wonder that they don't care about any election irregularities and try to bury it. Uh, even if it were true, Democrat voters don't seem like they would care very much. Their, their t side won. So sorry to the other side. Sucks to be you, but uh, we'll break every law needed in order to ensure a victory says a lot about the character of Democrat voters when they say, oh, no one's above the law. You can see what kind of joke it is when a majority of them know that this is a political prosecution, don't care, want a conviction anyway. They want this to be a third world tyranny, which, you know, this doesn't actually sound particularly far off from the kind of people they vote for anyway, like Bernie Sanders, for example. You might recall during the 2016 campaign, some of Bernie Sanders' uh, supporters and members of high-ranking, mind you, members of his campaign, you know, people on the high, high levels at the state level, that is, of his campaign, they were out there saying, yeah, we want political opponents and gulags. In fact, there was a poll done a bit ago. It was Rasmussen that did it, and I've mentioned it plenty of times on the show before, where when it came to COVID, majority of Democrats thought it should be illegal to criticize the government or to criticize the vaccine, to point out flaws in the vaccine, to point out flaws in COVID policy. They thought it should be a crime. You should be locked up in prison if you say, well, yeah, the vaccine doesn't actually stop you from spreading COVID. It's a fact, but the Democrat Party, Democrat voters, a majority of them thought that for merely stating facts, you should go to prison. And something like 45 percent of them thought that if you weren't vaccinated, you should be put in a concentration camp. So is it really that surprising that the Democrat Party and the voters would be in favor of political prosecutions? Is it really that surprising that, especially in New York City, Democrats would vote for someone who thinks putting a gun in your face should be legal, but being a Republican should be illegal? No, absolutely not. The, we have all the data pointing out that this is actually mainstream in the party. This is not some errant prosecutor gone rogue or some voters who have an overdose of trunch derailment syndrome. No, this is the party at large, what they think. And there's probably not room for the minority like that 17% I mentioned who see this for what it is and are totally opposed to it. So uh, we're not going to be seeing a civil war in the Democrat Party over this. The only the closest we will get to that is if this prosecution fails, which it will, again, he'll get the conviction at the local level, but then when it goes to appeals or somewhere during the appeal process, it's going to get thrown out because it's garbage. Everyone knows it. In fact, that's why Democrats are supporting him. They know it's garbage. They just want Trump out of the way. And notice the timing of this case, too. Very, very particular. The charges were announced the moment that it came out that Joe Biden had severe ties to China that might have compromised him as a politician, as a candidate, might actually put him up for treason charges if you wanted to pursue him to their logical conclusion. So to distract from that, the Democrats released this whole thing about the Trump indictment. And in the days since, in the days since that the Congress found, confirmed these ties between Biden and China, the liberal media, which is partly controlled by China, just look at how much money their parent companies get from China, they have spent no time at all, have not even mentioned Joe Biden. That is ABC, CBS, NBC, the big three networks, and their Sunday shows and their nightly news coverage out of all that. No time has been spent talking about Biden's corruption because, well, guess what? Those companies are funded by China to an extent. They don't want to lose that market by pointing something out like this. But also they help put Biden into power, and they really don't want to lose elections. They prefer power over you know saving the country or corruption or anything like that. They don't care how corrupt Biden is. He's their guy. He's their boy. He works for them, or they work for him, depending. So they don't care that he does whatever he wants. You know, he could have shot somebody just to watch them die, and the liberal media would be a-okay with that, would have covered that up. And this is the same media who have not mentioned uh, Joe Biden's uh, son's uh, illegitimate child with a stripper that they're trying so hard to uh, 
keep away from the family money. You know, you'd think that this party that talks about the working class so much, the Democrats, they're supposed to be for the working class. They're supposed to be for the little guy. Yet all their coverage is about how great the big guy is, ignoring every crime he has done, everything his family has done to hurt the little guy, such as that poor illegitimate child who is rightfully entitled to some of the Biden family fortune. But the media doesn't really care about the little person at all. They just care about having their corruption in place, their power. That's what it's about. Power. And now they have the legal system on their side. Well, they've had it for years now. You've seen the bogus prosecutions the Department of Justice has gotten itself involved in. So this is what happens when you have absolute power and control over the narrative. Actual corruption goes unpunished, whereas you have to fabricate charges to get your political opponent prosecuted and your voters don't mind one bit. Folks, more Al Nathan show coming up after this break. New research released to mark the International Day of Math reveals that math is the subject most American adults say they're afraid of, but is also the subject they most want their children to be good at. So to help them support their children in building confidence with numbers, a new, fun and engaging computer game called Teach Your Monster Number Skills has hit the market. Junaid Mabeen is a math expert from Number Skills, and he says building your child's confidence from an early age is vital. Getting kids confident with numbers from a very young age is so important to their long-term success in mathematics. And the reason I use Teach Your Monster Number Skills with my own children is that it teaches them about numbers, about how creative and, and playful numbers can be. It's very fun and also educationally very powerful. You can download this great game today. Just search for Teach Your Monster Number Skills online. It's available on all desktop and mobile devices. Trust me, you won't regret it. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM SkillsBuild continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to skill 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country, but unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show, everybody. Silk or Joe Show co-host Joe filling in for Alan today while he's working on his book and also while he's monitoring the painting of his house because someone had to be there and he ended up being volunteered for that. Don't worry, he should be back on Monday, assuming that his painters are done by then. <laughs> they were supposed to be done by today, but we see how that worked out, don't we? Anyway, joining us right now, hopefully without any painters around her house, Kathy Barnett, grassroots director and advisor to the Vivek Ramaswamy 2024 campaign, she ran for Senate in Pennsylvania and was the Republican candidate for Pennsylvania's 4th Congressional District. Her book is titled Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America. Kathy Barnett, welcome back to the show. I think it's been two years since we had you on last. How are you? I, I know. Thank you guys so much for having me back on. All right. Well, happy to have you, but wish it was under better circumstances. This whole Trump indictment situation, it oh, seems... Yeah. Uh, now, while uh, Mr. Ramaswamy can possibly take advantage of that to say, hey, look, I'm not under indictment, at the same time, this shows how far the other side's willing to go to knock off presidential candidates. So since the average American, since 2015 at least, has committed about three felonies a day, according to a study done on all the laws out there, without realizing it, uh, it seems like everyone is fair game at this point as far as throwing the weight of the legal system against them. Yeah, listen, you know, uh, going back to something that you just said, you know, this could be an opportune moment for those who are running against Donald Trump to take advantage of the situation. He is clearly the front runner in the polls that have come out so far. But instead of trying to capitalize on this, the bank has done the, the opposite from the moment he heard that this was coming down the pipeline. He was one of the first of the candidates who have already announced and those who are um, um, presumed to announce sooner rather than later to come out and say this is wrong because it is wrong. I mean, we want to win uh, because we, the people, decide we get to govern the nation. But what's happening right now, you know, we've seen this for some time, is that we have this political elite group of people who go behind closed doors and they thumb their nose at we the people and they decide to pick and choose. I heard Nancy Pelosi say the other day, uh, this is this proves no one is above the law. But what but what this actually is presenting to us is a very valid question, and that is are we now at the point where someone can single out somebody that they don't like for whatever the reason, maybe the person is inconvenient, maybe they woke up on the wrong side of the bed and just decide, I don't like you and I want to destroy you, and then weaponize the police state to arrest that person and to drag them through the mud. This is where we find ourselves right now, and that makes this a very scary situation. And just, you know, just to say um, before I pause, is that this is so much bigger than Donald Trump. Uh, this is about who are we as a country. We're, I don't know if we can come back from something like this if we allow it to stand. Now, it seems to be a warning against anyone who would oppose the people in power. We can do this to Trump. Mm -hmm. We're going to do it to you. And you mentioned Nancy Pelosi. She had another quote the other day where she said Trump will have his chance to prove his innocence. Uh, that's <laughs> not our legal system. She got it backwards it there. But instead, what they've done is what, um, you know, there's a famous uh, high-ranking um, uh, Nazi uh, uh, officer who said, show me the man and I will find the crime. And that's exactly what they've been doing for the past several years is they, they, they pointed out the man, Donald Trump. Now, let's bring in the police powers, let's bring in investigators, and let's find a crime, Right. And again, Vivek has been so very on point and leading the way among those who say they want to govern our nation as the next Republican uh, president. He's been leading the way, showing the others how they are supposed to behave at such a moment of crisis in our country. Uh, you know, he just came out with uh, Vivek, just came out with the Vivek show. And the point of the Vivek show, you can go and look it up on app and Spotify is not because the world is in need of another podcast. Instead, 
his his mission and everything that he's doing in this presidential run is to bring transparency in front of the people. And so he started this Bobate show as one of the things he does to pull back the curtain so the American people can see what it looks like to run for president. So he brings in these thought leaders. And one of the people he just brought in to bring such clarity to what's happening to Trump is the former chairman of the um, um, of the SEC, the uh, Federal Election Commission, uh, uh, Professor Bradley Smith. So Bradley Smith, he is the foremost uh, person who understands the crime that is being charged against Donald Trump. And it is flimsy at best. Uh, this is not something that even the SEC decided to bring charges against Donald Trump. And yet we have this rogue state district attorney, Alvin Bragg, who takes it upon himself to go beyond his his uh, his scope as a state cross, uh, a district attorney to now dabbling at the federal level. And so it's just a very dangerous time. So they have seen that. He has provided great clarity. And he's also said, because as a president, he gets to set these policies, is that it goes to one of his foremost policies of dismantling this corrupt administrative state that we have in this country. And I have to ask as well, has this kind of, how does he plan to reach out to Democrats on this? Because looking at the polls during the break between this segment and the last segment, uh, seeing the, as far as the recent polls go, a lot of Democrats are in favor of this. I think it was only 17% who said that this entirely soured them from the party. The rest of them seem kind of okay with what's going on with Trump. In fact, the the people in that district of New York City that voted for Alvin Bragg, they voted for him because he said he would do something like this. Yeah, and that begs the question of whether or not Trump will be able to, whether they will be able to assemble um, a, a fair um, uh, and a fair jury of his peers to uh, if this should go to court. So it, it begs that question. And the reality is this, we are a divided nation in many regards. Uh, the division is very real in certain aspects. I still believe that there are more of us uh, who thinks the way we think uh, than it is of them who is extremely excited about uh, the trampling of, of, of our justice system. Um, and that gives me great hope. I saw it when I was running in my own Senate race against Dr. Oz as a Republican in Pennsylvania. I traveled more than 1,500 miles every single week. And so I got to know the people of Pennsylvania very well. If you listen to the media, you would think, it, you know, half of the nation have lost their mind that half of the nation thinks it's a great idea to have grown men twerking in front of six-year-olds. But the reality is the overwhelming majority of Americans recognize that that is bad. But right now we are living in a culture of fear, and fear is contagious. But I believe courage is contagious, too. And I believe that's what Vivek is doing better than anyone. Mm. Uh, certainly better than the rest of the Republicans uh, based on the statements he's issued versus the ones they have. So where can we find out more about his campaign? You can go to Vivek2024.com That's D-I-D-E-K2024.com Hi listeners, we're coming up to a break so you can go check that out, but do come back because after this, we got more Al Nathan show coming up. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. 
I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Glowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Al Nathan Show. Everybody, Silk or Joe Show co-host Joe filling in for Alan today while he is off working on his book, but he'll be back on Monday. And joining us now, we have Reverend James Harden. He is the CEO of Compass Care Pregnancy Services. Reverend Harden, always happy to have you on the program. How are you today? Joe, thanks for having me back. It's, it's good to be here. All right. Yeah, so earlier in the show, I was talking about how the uh, – Trump indictment shows the nature of political prosecutions in this country. They can do all this to him. What can they do to you? And then as an example of that, we saw with Mark Houck, they went after him for allegedly violating the FACE Act. 
because uh, some pro-abortion activist was screaming at his kid, and he stopped that from happening. But that led to a charge under the FACE Act, armed men raiding his house. Meanwhile, the DOJ doesn't seem to be inclined to equally enforce the FACE Act. Is that uh, what you've been seeing? That's exactly what we've been seeing, Joe. I mean, the FACE Act, in the history of the FACE Act since 1994, it has been exclusively used to target pro-life Christians, peaceful pro-life Christians. The, uh, and, and so the, Merrick Garland perjured himself before the Senate Judiciary Committee on March 1st, saying, oh, no, they're, they're, um, they're going to apply the FACE Act equally to crimes against pro-life pregnancy centers as well as uh, abortion, abortion facilities. When, in fact, if you just look at the, the, uh, the record, just in the last two years, the DOJ has indicted 34 more uh, pr- peaceful pro-life people on trumped-up phony FACE Act violations. And then for the first time in the history of the FACE Act, because of all the, all the media attention they're getting, uh, they, they indicted two people down in Florida for, for uh, FACE Act violations. But it's the first time in the history of the FACE Act where they, they were indicting pro-abortion people for writing threatening graffiti on, their, on, the, on the building of a pro, pro-life pregnancy center. Now, look, they, they, uh, here, here's what happened to us. We've, somebody graffitied our facility recently. It's the second attack on our facility in, in uh, 10 months, and it's a violation of the FACE Act. The DOJ has yet to indict her. Why? I mean, if, so, so, you know, is, is, was Merrick Garland lying? Well, for, for sure. I mean, it, it's clear that the, that the DOJ and the FBI, according even to whistleblowers, we, you know, they, they are not just slow walking justice, but have, they have turned their investigative and arresting power on the victims of the violence. Uh, this is this is it, it needs to stop. And I, that's why I'm saying that the, there needs to be a special prosecutor appointed um, to investigate the potential perjurious mar- remarks of, of Garland and others and to examine Merrick Garland and others, including the DOJ and FBI leadership for conspiring to deprive pro-life citizens of equal protection under the law. It's a violation of the 14th Amendment. Oh. That certainly would happen if we had equal justice under the law, but I'd hate to say it. Lying to Congress doesn't seem to be a crime much. Uh, we, I can name off, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, James Clapper, he lied to Congress about the NSA spy, spying on people. General Keith Alexander, he lied about the NSA spying on people. Hillary Clinton lied to Congress when she said there were no emails marked classified on her server. Nothing mm-hmm. happened to them. So I don't see anything happening to Merrick Garland either. No, I don't. I don't either. That's why I think there needs to be a special prosecution aside. Because guess guess what the process is. You probably know this. The process for uh, submitting uh, lies under oath uh, for investigation by a Senate or House Judiciary Committee is to refer it to the Department of Justice. Well, who's the head of the Department of Justice? We've got a major conflict of interest going on right now. Merrick Garland, the head of the Department of Justice, is lying, and so who's going to who's going to keep him accountable? Uh, it's got to be you and I. It's got to be the vigilant citizens of the United States of America. And, I, you know, so that, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm really happy that, um, you know, we've got somebody like Claudia Tenney, who's a representative in, in Congress, by the way, out of New York, who's putting forward a bill to, for pregnancy. It's called basically Pregnancy Resource Center Defense Act. We're not getting defended. We're not getting equal justice under law under Attorney General Letitia James in New York or New York Governor Hochul. They're essentially running cover for pro-abortion, Antifa domestic terrorists. And so we're asking people uh, you know, to, to sign a petition to get their senators and their, and their congressmen and their attorneys general in their states to enforce the law and, uh, and, and, and create this new law if, if, if states won't enforce their own laws uh, when pregnancy centers are being attacked. And it's not just that they're giving tacit approval by slow walking or not even bothering to prosecute anyone who attacks a pro-life pregnancy center. It's they, they've actually started investigations themselves into pro-life pregnancy centers. So just last year, I remember that uh, right after you were firebombed, they started investigating your organization. That's exactly. And New York Governor Hochul signed a bill uh, on was it was six, five days after we were firebombed to investigate us instead of the arsonists. And then you had Joe Biden himself coming out, signing an executive order on July 8th, saying, you know, directing Merrick Garland and the DOJ to investigate what they called, the, quote, fraudulent practices in pregnancy centers. And then the DOJ, you know, submitted to that on July 12th and started the, what they called the Reproductive Health Task Force to look into 
anti-abortion activity, their words, anti-abortion activity. And then you got whistleblowers coming out of the FBI saying they started a new threat tag called the, the threat tag was look into what they call, quote, pro-life adherence. People who adhere to pro-life beliefs and then uh, look into pregnancy centers. So they turned they turned all their investigative power on pro-life Christians. And, uh, you know, so this is clearly a politicization of the FBI. We believe the FBI needs to be defunded and rebuilt. I think that the investigative power uh, somehow needs to be shined on the FBI and the DOJ, at least the leadership, because they're, uh, they're in, it looks like there's a conspiracy to deprive uh, people of their rights, specifically if they, if they run counter, their, their ideology runs counter to the Biden administration. Yeah, and this isn't something that's just going to be weeded out by voting in someone new because you don't vote for <laughs> FBI agents. They're there regardless of who's in charge. So that's the next exactly. Republican president or even the next Republican Congress, they're going to face the same FBI that exists right now. That's exactly it. That is you put your exactly 100 uh, percent your finger on the on the uh, on the nerve right there. The, the these are all po- po- appointed people. You got fourteen thousand FBI agents running around with guns on their hips, uh, being being co-opted by a political agenda. That should be very disconcerting to anyone, what, wherever they stand on the, the kind of debate of, around abortion. This this is not about abortion. This is about what abortion represents, and it represents absolute power—the ability for government to decide who lives and who dies, and who's treated like a second-class citizen, and who gets the benefit of law. They're they're, t- they're picking and choosing laws like a legal buffet, to, and which ones to which ones to enforce and which ones not to, against whom ever they wish, even if they didn't commit the crime. So, you know, I think uh, we're, we're in a very precarious moment in the history of our country, I think probably more important uh, than, than even 150 years ago, uh, because we're talking about the direction of this country relative to rule of law versus rule of man. This is a Maoist insurgency based on Antifa. It's happening all across the globe, and that's their goal, to destroy the nation-state system from within using... Uh, fourth-generation warfare tactics that Rich Higgins, former uh, irregular warfare expert out of the Pentagon, was talking about uh, relative to al-Qaeda in Somalia. Yeah, and that leaves us quite unable with to rely on the usual traditional, oh, just win the next election and everything will be mm-hmm. resolved. And, and our politicians don't seem to quite understand the nature of the situation either. And they think just, oh, we won Congress, so that's a good enough victory. We'll just... Uh, starting all these investigations and stuff, but you, you actually have to do something. You actually have to have somehow be able to fire people. <laughs> That's exactly it. You, you, you know, you know we're, the, the apparatus of the rule of law is being used to destroy the rule of law. And that is, you know, in, in, in other countries, that's usually called a coup. So, so how, you know, if, if we're, if, if, if we're not electing representatives to, to, to do the hard work of routing out these insurgents, these, these Maoist Antifa sympathizers that, are, that apparently have infiltrated the upper echelons of federal law enforcement and, and, and government, uh, then we're, you know, we're fooling ourselves to think that a, that a simple election is going to solve the problem. We need people to get in there, get elected, and get their hands dirty uh, to, to, to restore a rule of law in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, while these people who are there claim that they are the rule of law and they've managed mm-hmm. to dupe uh, uh, many citizens into believing it. Uh, for example, just with this uh, Trump indictment, three quarters of the public, according to poll, know it's a politically motivated thing. Yet a majority of Democrats don't really care that it's politically motivated. They just want him behind bars by any means necessary. And when that's the kind of voter electorate that you're going up against, it really seems like the FBI is becoming more representative, unfortunately, of the most radicalized section of the American society, which seems to be quite a huge amount, enough to shift yeah. entire elections and control po- and major political party. Yep, you're, you're exactly right. That when, when, when the FBI and other federal law enforcement can be co-opted and used like a malice red guard, you know you've got some serious problems uh, destabilizing the, the kind of constitutional rule of law that this country was founded on. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy to see an arrest that took place for us um, here in, in Buffalo uh, not too long ago. But uh, we, we also saw an arrest of a firebomber. The first firebombing that happened of a pregnancy of a pro-life organization was arrested. And uh, we'll see what happens. He's not being charged with an act of domestic terror yet, though. <laughs> I would think firebombing of anything would be an act of domestic terror, but uh, hopefully 
somewhere in the DOJ, some honest prosecutor will come along and realize what's going on here. Reverend James Harden, CEO of Compass Care Pregnancy Services, appreciate you being on the Alan Nathan today to talk about all this. And listeners, we do have more programming coming up after this break. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his his first first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. 
with PVA staff working inside VA hospitals. No other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show, everybody. Silk or Joe Show co-host Joe filling in for Alan today while he works on his book. But don't worry, he'll be back Monday. Uh, there's painters at his house, too, so that's why he's not coming back tomorrow. Though, joining us right now for the last nine minutes of the show, we have James Harrison. He is New York Times bestselling author and a columnist with Newsmax. James, always happy to have you on the program. How are you today? All right, thank you, Joe. Great to be with you. All right, so... Kind of, I wanted to get to this topic the entire darn show, but I just never could <laughs> because there's other topics eating the oxygen in the room. But uh, right now, it seems that the, a major step has been taken to sort of push the dollar away from being the world's reserve currency. And you know, if that happens, well, the value of the dollar plummets very significantly because the fact that it is the world's reserve currency has allowed us to artificially prop it up a little bit. But now you have the BRICS company, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. They are taking more steps to move away from the dollar. And Brazil in particular is an irony because the Biden administration just helped them install their new leadership there. Uh, what do you see happening? No, I think you've described it very well. I think what's amazing about this topic is that, generally speaking, the mainstream press is not covering it. Uh, this whole this acronym that you mentioned, BRICS, B-R-I-C-S, has actually been around. It started out as B-R-I-C, BRIC, uh, in 2009. They've met every year. And they've come into stronger and stronger formation. And now a very highly placed Russian official was speaking in New Delhi. And he essentially said, hey, you know, we've got to get, get together and have another world currency, a common currency. And, and we're not talking about a small group at all. Because even though BRICS stands for these five na- nations... There's a whole host of nations standing in line to join this group and basically no longer deal in world trade and petro trade and in reserves in dollars. And and for ordinary Americans, this is the amazing thing why it strikes me as significant that the press isn't truly covering this. This affects every person living in America if you know, as you described, um, the dollar is no longer the reserve currency as we've enjoyed our entire existence practically uh, in the modern industrial revolution. Since then, uh, the dollar has been the reserve currency. What does that mean for ordinary Americans? It means we're going to be poor. It means that our standard of living will not be able to be maintained. It means that we are on the road to changing from a wealthy economic power to a Venezuela-style power. It means people not having food and not having the ability to buy food. This is so profound and serious, and yet, as I said, mainstream press kind of burying it or not covering it, and there doesn't appear to be any moves whatsoever by our current administration to address it or deal with it Um, because in great part it's been caused by engaging in endless wars, printing money, and undermining American energy predominance. Uh, Those three things, and there's many others, are are what, what has created Uh, um, the downfall of our currency's brand, the brand of the dollar, uh, which was hard-earned over a very long time. And um, doesn't help either that we've shown that it is not a safe way to keep your money, like the uh, Russian oligarchs, for example, that we seize dollars from. Technically, the dollars did belong to the oligarchs, but just by virtue of the fact that it was U.S. currency, 
we justify taking it from them because of the war in Ukraine. And now people are looking at that like, well, what if we do something that the U.S. doesn't like? What if we have a policy the U.S. doesn't like? Well, they do the same thing to us. we got to move away from this very unstable, politically motivated group that has control of our money. Well, that's right. I mean, when you have an administration that treats the rule of law the way this one does, obviously they use their sanctions scheming uh, to undermine any kind of international due process or human rights. Uh, And that relates also, when I mentioned the brand, the American brand, of course, suffers uh, when, when, for example, we our priorities are trying to convince other countries to engage in the same kind of cultural revolution that we're now promoting here domestically. Um, and we use our economic power to convince them um, if they if there's an alternative that's presented, of course they're going to take it. And that's why, for example, China, brokering this peace deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran opens the door for those two. And, and you know, we have to understand they're powerful, two countries economically powerful to join together with BRICS as a whole host of other countries such as Sri Lanka and Nigeria. There's there's just a whole bunch of them that, that want to join. And it, it gets to a point where the dynamic shifts and, uh, you know, our everything that we've kind of been able to operate on in terms of, for example, the borrowing that, we, that we've done in the world is no longer going to be possible. And we already have, of course, record debt. And we can, you know, it's just you can see how dangerous this whole thing is. This group, BRICS, is going to be meeting this August, and and they've telescoped that that's one of the main things that they're talking about is essentially dumping the dollar as the reserve currency. And they already represent a challenge to the G7, which is still the most powerful economies, which include, you know, Germany, France, the U.S., the U.K., um, and Japan and others, but it's still going to uh, to be a shocker. And the other thing is, of course, Japan recently violated our cha- sanctions scheme and went and bought oil from Russia, or at least said they were, over the cap. That shows that our relationship, even with our allies, is now um, being undermined. And And we don't see anyone addressing this or taking action or at least they're not sharing the action yeah it's uh, very alarming for anyone who is sitting here like me and sees that my the value of the dollar is about to plummet if nothing is done and we don't see anything being done about it in fact we see no one talking about it it's just whistling while the room is on fire but james Hearson, new york times best-selling author and columnist with newsmax appreciate you being on the al nathan show to talk about this listeners you can find out more about this you can go to jamesherson.com and look up his article the bricks problem for america and we are done with the al nathan show for you today be seeing you The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.